Chapter 10 of The Trail of the Lonesome Pine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Keith Barnes. The Trail of the Lonesome Pine by John Fox. Chapter 10. Hale opened his eyes next morning on the little old woman in black, moving ghost-like through the dim interior to the kitchen. A wood thrush was singing when he stepped out on the porch, and its cool notes had the liquid freshness of the morning. Breakfast over, he concluded to leave the yellow mule with the red fox to be taken back to the county town and to walk down the mountain. But before he got away, the landlord's son turned up with his own horse, still lame, but well enough to limp along without doing himself harm. So, leading the black horse, Hale started down. The sun was rising over still seas of white mist and wave after wave of blue Virginia hills. In the shadows below, it smote the mists into tatters. Leaf and bush glittered as though after a heavy rain, and down Hale went under a trembling dew-drenched world and along a tumbling series of waterfalls that flashed through tall ferns, blossoming laurel and shining leaves of rhododendron. Once he heard something move below him, and then the crackling of brush sounded far to one side of the road. He knew it was a man who would be watching him from a covert, and straightway to prove his innocence of any hostile or secret purpose, he began to whistle. Further below, two men with Winchesters rose from the bushes and asked his name and his business. He told both readily. Everybody, it seemed, was prepared for hostilities, and though the news of the patched-up peace had spread, it was plain that the factions were still suspicious and on guard. Then the loneliness almost of Lonesome Cove itself set in. For miles he saw nothing alive but an occasional bird and heard no sound but of running water or rustling leaf. At the mouth of the creek, his horse's lameness had grown so much better that he mounted him and rode slowly up the river. Within an hour, he could see the still crest of the lonesome pine. At the mouth of a creek a mile further on was an old gristmill with its water wheel asleep. And whittling at the door outside was the old miller, Uncle Billy Beams, who, when he heard the coming of the black horse's feet, looked up and showed no surprise at all when he saw Hale. "'I heard you was coming,' he shouted, hailing him cheerily by name. "'Ain't fishing this time.' "'No,' said Hale. "'Not this time.' "'Well, get down and rest a spell. June will be here in a minute, and you can ride back with her. I reckon you're going that away. "'June?' "'Sure. My, but she'll be glad to see you. She's always talking about you.' You told her you was coming back, and everybody told her you wasn't. But that little gal always said she knowed you was because you said you was. She's growed some, and if she ain't pretty, well, I'd tell a man. You just tie your horse up there behind the mill so she can't see it and get inside the mill when she comes around that bend there. My, but it'll be a surprise for her. The old man chuckled so cheerily that Hale, to humor him, hitched his horse to a sapling, came back, and sat in the door of the mill. The old man knew all about the trouble in town the day before. 
I want to give you a little advice. Keep your mouth plumb shut about this here war. I'm justice of the peace, but that's the only way I've kept out in it for 30 years. And it's the only way you can keep out in it. Thank you. I mean to keep my mouth shut, but would you mind? Get in, interrupted the old man eagerly. Here she comes. His kind old face creased into a welcoming smile, and between the logs of the mill, hail inside could see an old sorrel horse slowly coming through the lights and shadows down the road. On its back was a sack of corn, and perched on the sack was a little girl with her bare feet in the hollows behind the old nag's withers. She was looking sidewise, quite hidden by a scarlet poke bonnet, and at the old man's shout she turned the smiling face of little June. With an answering cry, she struck the old nag with a switch, and before the old man could rise to help her down, slipped lightly to the ground. "'Why, honey,' he said, "'I don't know what I'm going to do your corn. Shaft's broken. I can't do no grinding till tomorrow.' "'Well, Uncle Billy, we ain't got a pint of meal in the house,' she said. "'You just got to lend me some.' "'All right, honey,' said the old man, and he cleared his throat a signal for hail. The little girl was pushing her bonnet back when Hale stepped into sight and, unstartled, unsmiling, unspeaking, she looked steadily at him, one hand motionless for a moment on her bronze heap of hair and then slipping down past her cheek to clench the other tightly. Uncle Billy was bewildered. Why, June, it's Mr. Hale, why? Howdy, June, said Hale, who was no less puzzled. And still she gave no sign that she had ever seen him before, except reluctantly to give him her hand. Then she turned sullenly away and sat down in the door of the mill with her elbows on her knees and her chin in her hands. Dumbfounded, the old miller pulled the sack of corn from the horse and leaned it against the mill. Then he took out his pipe, filled and lighted it slowly, and turned his perplexed eyes to the sun. Well, honey, he said, as though he were doing the best he could with a difficult situation. I'll have to get you that meal at the house. About dinner time now. You and Mr. Harold there, come on and get something to eat before you go back. I got to get on back home, said June, rising. No, you ain't. I bet you got dinner for your stepmammy before you left, and I just know you was aiming to take a snack with me and old Hunt. The little girl hesitated. She had no denial, and the old fellow smiled kindly. Come on now. Little June walked on the other side of the miller from Hale, back to the old man's cabin, two hundred yards up the road, answering his questions, but not Hale's, and never meeting the latter's eyes with her own. Old Hun, the portly old woman whom Hale remembered with brass-rimmed spectacles and a clay pipe in her mouth, came out on the porch and welcomed them heartily under the honeysuckle vines. Her mouth and face were alive with humor when she saw Hale, and her eyes took in both him and the little girl keenly. The miller and Hale leaned chairs against the wall while the girl sat at the entrance of the porch. Suddenly, Hale went out to his horse and took out a package from his saddle pockets. "'I've got some candy in here for you,' he said, smiling. "'I don't want no candy.' she said, still not looking at him and with a little movement of her knees away from him. "'My honey,' said Uncle Billy again, "'what is the matter with ye?' 
I thought you was great friends. The little girl rose hastily. No, we ain't, nother, she said, and she whisked herself indoors. Hale put the package back with some embarrassment, and the old miller laughed. Well, well, she's a queer little critter. Maybe she's mad because you stayed away so long. At the table, June wanted to help old Hun and wait to eat with her, but Uncle Billy made her sit down with him and Hale, and so shy was she that she hardly ate anything. Only once did she look up from her plate, and that was when Uncle Billy, with a shake of his head, said, He's a bad one. He was speaking of Ruth Tolliver, and at the mention of his name, there was a frightened look in the little girl's eyes. When she quickly raised them, that made Hale wonder. An hour later, they were riding side by side, Hale and June, on through the lights and shadows toward Lonesome Cove. Uncle Billy turned back from the gate to the porch. He ain't come back yet just for coal, said old hun. Shucks, said Uncle Billy. You women folks can't think about nothing except one thing. He's too old for her. She'll get old enough for him, and you men folks don't think less. You just talk less. And she went back into the kitchen, and on the porch the old miller puffed on a new idea in his pipe. For a few moments the two rode in silence, and not yet had June lifted her eyes to him. You've forgotten me, June. No, I ain't, neither. You said you'd be waiting for me. June's lashes went lower still. I was. Well, what's the matter? I'm mighty sorry I couldn't get back sooner. <laughs> said June scornfully, and he knew Uncle Billy and his guess as to the trouble was far afield. So he tried another tack. I've been over to the county seat, and I saw lots of your kinfolks over there. She showed no curiosity, no surprise, and still she did not look up at him. I met your cousin, Loretta, over there, and I carried her home behind me on an old mule. Hale paused, smiling at the remembrance, and still she betrayed no interest. She's a mighty pretty girl, and whenever I'd hit that old, she ain't, the words were so shrieked out that Hale was bewildered. And then he guessed that the falling out between the fathers was more serious than he had supposed. But she isn't as nice as you are, he added quickly, and the girl's quivering mouth steadied. The tears stopped in her vexed dark eyes, and she lifted them to him at last. She ain't? No, indeed, she ain't. For a while, they rode along again in silence. June no longer avoided his eyes now, and the unspoken question in her own presently came out. You won't let Uncle Ruth bother me no more, will ye? No, indeed I won't, said Hale heartily. What does he do to you? Nothing, except he's always a-teasing me, and, and I'm a fear to him. Well, I'll take care of Uncle Ruth. I know you'd say that, she said. Pap and Dave always laughs at me and she shook her head as though she were already threatening her bad uncle with what Hale would do to him. And she was so serious and trustful that Hale was curiously touched. By and by, he lifted one flap of his saddle pockets again. I've got some candy here for a nice little girl, he said, as though the subject had not been mentioned before. It's for you. 
Won't you have some? I reckon I will, she said with a happy smile. Hale watched her while she munched a striped stick of peppermint. Her crimson bonnet had fallen from her sunlit hair and straight down from it to her bare little foot with its stubbed toe just darkening with dried blood. A sculptor would have loved the rounded slenderness in the curving long lines that shaped her brown throat, her arms and her hands, which were prettily shaped but so very dirty as to the nails and her dangling bare leg. Her teeth were even and white, and most of them flashed when her red lips smiled. Her lashes were long and gave a touching softness to her eyes, even when she was looking quietly at him. But there were times, as he had noticed already, when a brooding look stole over them, and then they were the lair for the mysterious loneliness that was the very spirit of Lonesome Cove. Some day that little nose would be long enough, and some day, he thought, she would be very beautiful. Your cousin Loretta, she was coming over to see you. June's teeth snapped viciously through the stick of candy, and then she turned on him, and behind the long lashes and deep down in the depth of those wonderful eyes, he saw an ageless something that bewildered him more than her words. I hate her, she said fiercely. Why, little girl, he said gently. I don't know, she said. And then the tears came in earnest, and she turned her head, sobbing. Hale helplessly reached over and patted her on the shoulder, but she shrank away from him. Go away, she said, digging her fist into her eyes until her face was calm again. They had reached the spot on the river where he had seen her first, and beyond, the smoke of the cabin was rising above the undergrowth. Lordy, she said. But I do get lonesome over here. Wouldn't you like to go over to the Gap with me sometimes? Straightway, her face was a ray of sunlight. Would I like to go over? She stopped suddenly and pulled in her horse, but Hale had heard nothing. Hello, shouted a voice from the bushes, and Devil Judd Tolliver issued from them with an axe on his shoulder. I heard you'd come back, and I'm glad to see you. He came down to the road and shook Hale's hand heartily. What you been crying about, he added, turning his hawk-like eyes on the little girl. Nothing, she said sullenly. Did she get mad with you about something, said the old man to Hale. She never cries except when she's mad. Hale laughed. You just hush up, both of you, said the girl with a sharp kick of her right foot. I reckon you can't stamp the ground that fur away from it, said the old man dryly. If you don't get the better of that all-fired temper of yarn, it's going to get the better of you, and then I'll have to spank you again. I reckon you ain't going to whoop me no more, Pap. I'm getting too big. The old man opened eyes and mouth with an indulgent roar of laughter. Come on up to the house, he said to Hale, turning to lead the way, the little girl following him. The old stepmother was again abed. Small Bub, the brother, still unafraid, sat down beside Hale, and the old man brought out a bottle of moonshine. I reckon I can trust ye, he said. I reckon you can, laughed Hale. The liquor was as fiery as ever, but it was grateful. And again the old man took nearly a tumbler full, plying Hale, meanwhile, 
about the happenings in town the day before, but Hale could tell him nothing that he seemed not already to know. It was Quarter, the old mountaineer said. I seed two men with the drap on each other and both afeared to shoot, but I never heard of such a ring around the rosy as eight fellers with beat on one another and not a shoot shot. I'm glad I wasn't there. He frowned when Hale spoke of the red fox. You can't never tell whether that old devil is Fergie or Guinea, but I've been plumb sick of these doings a long time now, and sometimes I think I'll just pull up stakes and go west and get out of it altogether. How did you learn so much about yesterday so soon? Uh, we hear things pretty quick in these mountains. Little Dave Tolliver come over here last night. Yes, broke in Bub. And he told us how you carried Loretty from town on a mule behind you, and she just assassin you, and as how she said she was a going to get you for her sweetheart. Hale glanced by chance at the little girl. Her face was scarlet, and a light dawned. And sis there said he was a telling lies, and when she growed up, she was a going to marry. Something snapped like a toy pistol, and Bub howled. A little brown hand had whacked him across the mouth, and the girl flashed indoors without a word. Bub got to his feet, howling with pain and rage, and started after her. But the old man caught him. Sit down, boy. Served you right for blabbing things that ain't your business. He shook with laughter. Jealousy. Great heavens, Hale thought. And that child. And for him. I knowed she was crying about something like that. She set to great store by you. And she studied them books you sent her. Plumb to pieces while you was away. She ain't nothing but a baby. But in certain ways, she's as old as her mother was when she died. The amazing secret was out, and the little girl appeared no more until supper time, when she had waited on the table, but at no time would she look at Hale or speak to him again. For a while, the two men sat on the porch talking of the feud and the gap and the coal on the old man's place, and Hale had no trouble getting an option for a year on the old man's land. Just as dusk was setting, he got his horse. You better stay all night. No, I'll have to get along. The little girl did not appear to tell him goodbye, and when he went to his horse at the gate, he called. Tell June to come down here. I've got something for her. Come on, baby, the old man said, and the little girl came shyly down to the gate. Hale took a brown paper parcel from his saddlebags, unwrapped it, and betrayed the usual blue-eyed, flaxen-haired, rosy-cheeked doll. Only June did not know the like of it was in all the world. As she caught it to her breast, there were tears once more in her uplifted eyes. How about going over the gap with me, little girl? Someday? He never guessed it, but there were a child and a woman before him now, and both answered, I'll go with ye anywhere. Hale stopped a while to rest his horse at the base of the big pine. He was practically alone in the world. 
The little girl back there was born for something else than slow death in that God-forsaken cove, and whatever it was, why not help her to it if he could? With this thought in his brain, he rode down from the luminous upper world of the moon and stars toward the netherworld of drifting mists and black ravines. She belonged to just such a night, that little girl. She was a part of its mists, its lights and shadows, its fresh wild beauty and its mystery. Only once did his mind shift from her to his great purpose, and that was when the roar of the water through the rocky chasm of the gap made him think of the roar of iron wheels that, rushing through, someday would drown it into silence. At the mouth of the gap he saw the white valley lying at peace in the moonlight, and straight away from it sprang again, as always, his castle in the air. But before he fell asleep in his cottage on the edge of the mill pond that night, he heard quite plainly again, I'll go with ye anywhere. End of chapter 10